Welcome back, everybody, to your second day, favorite day of the week. Thursdays, Thursday, well, no, I guess Fridays is the best day of the week, I think. Then Saturdays. Mm. And then I think Thursdays are better than Sundays, personally. I agree because you're looking forward into things that are... Yeah. Look, like you and I don't have real schedules, like we don't have real jobs. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, maybe it's disingenuous to be like... We hate the Monday womb <laughs> case of the Mondays, right? <laughs> the, the Sunday scaries. I think it's kind of disingenuous. Yeah. Um, but, but I still yeah. get them. Like I still because Jen has a normal job. That's true. That's fair. and when Jen goes in for her normal job, that means I'm in charge of Avery. Right. And right. so like I do get like on Sundays, I spend the whole day thinking, like, man, I have to be a dad. Right. Like, you know. Or yes, when <laughs> Avery when, never listened to this specific episode. School age. Uh-huh. If your kids are school age, I guess that would matter, right? Like for Avery, when preschool, kindergarten kind of gets then, right? Then Monday is is different than than Saturday. So I guess that's fair. I do not have any of that. So, <laughs> so never mind. Actually, can we actually spend 10 minutes here? And I want it to be exactly 10 minutes talking about uh, right. some sort of dating show. Some sort of some sort of dating show, just to <laughs> just to infuriate that one guy. Yeah, just to infuriate the one guy who hates us spending ten minutes. Actually, on, on. I think the reunion, like the catch up from from Love Is Blind, is on Friday, and we're supposed to learn a bunch of new stuff. Mm. I found out since last time you and I spoke. So there was like five couples that they really focused on, right? Okay. There were five couples that they really focused on over the course of the of the show. Okay. There were seven couples that actually went through the process. Okay. Okay. So there's two couples that didn't, that their storyline nope. wasn't interesting enough <laughs> to actually make the air. Okay. Now, I, I don't know. Can we, can we get like Laker couples, <laughs> like analogies for all of these couples? Like, I'm trying to think of, I, I haven't heard whether or not that cup, those two couples actually got engaged, but can you imagine how pissed you would be if you had gotten engaged? And got no pub on a show mm, that yeah. you are that you are solely that is solely responsible for you being engaged to a person that you never met. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that I, I would I would be I would be spicy off that. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah, handle I would, that. I would be spicy. <laughs> I wouldn't I would handle be, that particularly I be, well. I would be, I would be spicy. <laughs> but the other part of it is like every couple that gets engaged on and because of television, like meeting yeah. on television it works one time out of a hundred. They all just crash and burn. Not they all, almost all of them just crash yeah. and burn. So if we're going to do that and I'm not even actually on TV, that's, <laughs> Hey, Hey man, I don't get, you know, like I'm all finding the somebody stuff and all of the, opportunities I'm finding somebody. Come. Oh yeah. Somebody getting hands put on them. I didn't even get a blue check mark out of this right. shit. What the... right. Y'all didn't even know I was on TV. And I have to go through this bullshit engagement. I had oh, to explain man, to my man. mom that I'm engaged to some girl oh, I never you guys met. Meet? It's, I think TV might be like more taboo that, you know, everybody meets online now these days. Yeah. But back in the day, it was like uh, people used to try to like uh, y'all met on Tinder. Yeah. Like, we'll say we'll say we met at Whole Foods or something, right? <laughs> I think TV might be, be even worse. So but you met on TV, but not actually got to be on TV. Oh, man. I'm putting hands on everybody. <laughs> yeah. So somebody's getting a black eye whether it's me or somebody somebody's getting a freaking black eye right it might be you it might be me but i promise you we finna find somebody's out somebody's swinging it's gonna be me <laughs> um all right 
Let's go ahead. And we have actually uh, a couple topics that I'm, I'm, uh, I think are going to generate some really good conversation here. Uh, both of them, one directly relates to the Lakers. The second one relates to the Lakers, but is more of a league-wide topic. Uh, so we're going to uh, talk about that. And then story time this week uh, is of the time Aaron apparently yelled at Gilbert Arenas, which um, yeah is, is, is a fun thing to think about. Yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty random, but yeah. Um, so the first topic we're going to talk about, and it's something that has kind of been bouncing around in my head basically since whew, it's really picked up after the trade deadline, but it, it, it has been like kind of bouncing around, around in my head since the off season, because again, like I wasn't a fan of the off season and like my, my main concern here with the Lakers moving forward is that the people who are responsible and i say people i i emphasize people because this is a a a group project that went really really poorly and um the people who made the series of decisions that got the lakers in this spot right now whether it's rob palinka whether it's the rambi whether it's genie whether it's clutch whether it's you know more uh, lebron than anthony davis whomever did you right. say Mori? Or did you did you it says it's no, no, like no, more, more LeBron. Yeah, it's oh, like more, more LeBron. LeBron. Yeah. It's like yeah. I don't I don't think Daryl Morey had much to do with this, but Shadow Executive. Yeah, Little maybe. did we know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so, so um, but yeah, like the thing that I, I, I keep thinking about is like the people who made the series of decisions that took the Lakers from where they were just two seasons ago, champions, to now Incidentally, the same people made those decisions as made these. That's decisions. that's true. That's true. That's all part of the conversation. Um, to now, I think they're going to fall out of the 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 playing game uh, over the course of the season. Their schedule is just that brutal. Even though the Blazers are trying to lose, Blazers fans, lighten up, man. Jeez. Anyway, uh, I do think I do think on that note, I do think I do think the Pelicans catch and pass the Lakers for ninth because of yeah. the schedule that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, I do not think the Lakers are going to fall past 10th. The Blazers are actively trying to lose and San Antonio isn't any good and is too far back. Have you watched the Lakers? Uh, in person quite a bit. Yes. Because <laughs> if you were to tell <laughs> me, yes, if you were to tell me that the Lakers were intentionally trying to lose, I would believe you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay i don't i don't know what the uh the incentive would be for that no, okay. there, there is no incentive it's just yeah these guys just aren't trying right now yeah that sounds right um so so yeah like uh in terms of accountability and then the second topic that we're going to talk about is the league-wide parity that the, that is present in the nba this year and whether that's going to continue on into next season um that's going to be what we talk about second but the accountability here and I'm just going to ask, like, where do you think the accountability is going to come from? Because I, you know, those of you who are listening to this, you, you, I've been pretty clear on this. I think Frank is going to get fired. I think Russ is going to get traded. Um, but those people weren't really responsible for this season. Like, I, like, I think Frank has done a pretty poor job as a coach, and clearly Russell Westbrook had the worst season of his career. Um, but like they aren't foundationally responsible in the same way that the front office, LeBron, tomato, tomato are. So like, I, I where is that account? Cause LeBron's probably not going anywhere. 
according to Jake Fisher and according to several people that, that I've kind of heard from, doesn't sound like Rob is going anywhere. Clearly the Rambi aren't going anywhere. They're being called a power couple now, which is uh, not at all nauseating. Um, what what is what like where are the where are the, the 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 buttons going to be pressed from here because you know they're getting it from the fans and that's a source of accountability but that's not quite the same yeah i mean look those i've told you on this show told everybody on this show and and on the tuesday spaces that it is a very collaborative effort mm-hmm. um and i think it was fair to Let's talk about let's talk about Frank first. Um, I think Frank is a good coach. I think he might even be a very very good coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but the writing was kind of on the wall there with the extension or lack thereof. Yeah, um, air quotes and extension. <laughs> right, um, and that that sort of thing doesn't happen often in the NBA, and that is. So I, I think that is a first place that you look and say, is Frank going to be around? I don't know, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is unfair to speculate that he may not be next year, that that might be a change. I don't think I've said this before. I will say it again as clearly as possible. I don't think Frank is the problem. Mm-hmm. However, I also don't think Frank has been enough of the solution this no. year. Um, and, you know, for all of those, those, questionable decisions that that fans think are questionable decisions whether it's rotations whether it's starting lineup style of play etc um like frank is responsible for finding whatever he can that works yes the injuries have been a factor yes COVID has been a factor and frankly i don't think because of roster construction i don't think frank has had enough buttons to push you know mm-hmm. things to try but this is a results-based business, so kind of too bad. Um, so there may be some, if you want to call it accountability there. Sure. I don't think that... I think there will be, a, a, you know, accountability there. Like, I, like I, I would be shocked if Frank is back beyond this season. Like, I, like to the point where that's, that's one of the easiest bets to make is... Um, Will, will Frank Vogel be the coach next year? I would as, bet as my a, house. Okay. Yeah. All right. Your, your house. I mean, I from what I've seen is pretty nice. So it's just a foyer. Remember? Yeah. Just... Right. Right. You have a you have a, you have a two hundred <laughs> square foot house. It's a foyer. Yes, we did that last week. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're just rich. Um, but but I, I I've I've said this before. Everybody involved hears all of it right they they know everybody knows what is being said about them everybody knows that fans are displeased and everybody involved is displeased this plainly isn't good enough um yeah. and the people involved ha- do feel that pressure do feel that heat for some people it's it's just something inside them that they don't want to disappoint laker fans and they want the lakers to be at a certain level that the lakers so far this year and presently are not. And some of it is for their own job security um, that people respond to that in very different ways. But I can assure you that people are feeling that pressure and people do know what is being said and people do want the Lakers to win a championship, even still this year as, as ridiculous as that might seem conceptually, 
winning a championship this year and in perpetuity matters to <laughs> as much as it matters to everybody listening to this and as much anguish and strife and uncomfortability and as little fun as everybody out there is having watching the Lakers games and as much like the, the ulcers it's causing, I promise you everybody involved is feeling that too. So here's how I've, I've kind of described it in the past and I, I continue to, to describe it when people ask me about it. I think this season, like we saw, like sometimes, you know, adversity brings out, either the best in people or it brings out the worst in people, right? Mm -hmm. And people revert to their worst habits, their worst tendencies. And I think this year we or, saw... Wait, hold on. Let's be more specific. They revert to their habits and tendencies. Yeah, sometimes but... Sometimes like, they can be good and sometimes not, but they right. revert to their habits. Yes. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, the, sometimes they revert to, to good habits and good tendencies, and sometimes people revert to, like, bad habits and bad yes. tendencies. Yes. And I think this year everybody has reverted to their worst version of themselves where uh, I think Frank has been the most closed minded. I think that I've seen him, you know, in, in his time as, as Lakers coach um, starting Deandre Jordan for a quarter of the season. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't do that in 2022, man. You know uh, now was it, it, if that is a result of, Anthony Davis maybe not wanting to play center at the beginning of the year or start at center at the beginning of the year. Again, some of his worst tendencies there, right? LeBron James became his most passive aggressive this year, uh, unless you're Bill Orem. Then it was very directly, <laughs> it was very direct with Bill. Um, I think, I think. Hey, hold on. Uh, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me say something there. Lakers fans, leave Bill alone. Just leave, yeah. him, leave, leave Bill alone. I, I, He's got a job to do. Leave him alone. And LeBron said the same thing, but leave him alone. I like, here's my, th all right, quick aside, because I catch a lot of this shit too. Not to the extent Bill has been lately because of the, the millions of LeBron fans that have been really going after him. But um, I've never understood as a fan, like not just a Lakers fan, but as a fan, why a fan would demand that a fan cover their team like that that would be a box right. that has to be checked because all i care about as a fan whether it's of the dodgers whether it's of the vikings the lakers i don't care who it is all i care about is real mm -hmm. <laughs> all i all i care about is uh fair real if, if somebody does something that they need to be uh, criticized over or held accountable for, I want the I want the media to do that with that person, with that entity, with that team. If there is something that, that person needs to be praised for, I want the media to praise that person yeah. for that thing. Fair. You just want fair. I you just want, want fair. fair. I want real. Yeah. I want fair. fair. You yeah. know, and like the Harrison and I talked about it. Like sometimes I think what what um what some people at the highest level of media get them so and, and this is not just sports this is across journalism right now this is access journalism is kind of a plague that is across our society where there it's it's no longer completely unbiased because if somebody criticizes so-and-so they might lose access to that so-and-so and that affects that person's job uh, mm -hmm. availability you know job prospects 
And you know what? That's something that we're just going to have to you know deal with at at, at various levels of society here. And um, you know, I think we see it. You know, oftentimes, like we we know who is connected to whom and who is not going to criticize whom, uh, because if they criticize that person, that impacts the Rolodex that they could offer up to their employer and say, yeah, I'm really close sure. with so-and-so here. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 and I think, uh, that's the, that is the only thing in journalism that I, as a fan would ever, would ever like outright criticize it, that I would ever kind of say, like, be, be kind of iffy about, but people being hard on the people that they cover or, or being hard on the team that they cover. I want that because again, it all comes back to accountability. Yeah, it's the same if conversation. There, yeah. If there is no accountability from the media that is covering the team, then how is that team going to know that they're screwing up other I'll, than results? I'll tell you exactly how. You will paint your face again and lead a an insurgency <laughs> outside of what is now crypto. What I was, was covering that protest here yeah, and why I was, was your not... face painted. <laughs> Actually, for the people out there that, that do, not, do not understand, that is a joke. Yeah. That was sarcasm. That was a joke. No, no, no. I, look, I, I actually kind of want to lean into it. I If there is you, a protest no, you next you don't, time. No, you don't. I mean, you can go cover a protest again, but lean yeah. into Lakers no, I, coming to look for you. That you do not want to lean into. No, no, that's for sure. But but yeah, I, I think like I think with the whole thing with, with LeBron and Bill and then like LeBron's like quote unquote apology afterward where he says... Bill's a good guy, but I think he was lying. <laughs> I just Bill, LeBron Bill is Bill is a good guy. Stop Lakers digging, fans. Leave him alone. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I think I think here with with uh, getting back to the accountability aspect of this, uh, if there isn't, and, and you're saying that apparently there are people who are feeling for their you know feeling that the seat under them is a little warm. Yes, uh, some to greater extents than others, I would imagine. Sure. Um, like if. I guess my question to you is like, because from all of the, like even in Jake Fisher's piece where he questions whether or not there are people around the league wondering if Rob Polinka's job is, is um, a little less safe than previously uh, considered. Um, he still arrived at the, uh, at the conclusion that yeah, Rob is probably here to, is probably still here to say, stay. So if there isn't like outright concern for one's livelihood here, um, where does that, like, how would that c accountability look? Would, would, you know, cause one theory that, that Fisher brought up that I found kind of interesting was hiring somebody above Rob into a president of basketball operations, kind of a role who has a different background and might have different relationships with different people around the league and stuff like that. Is that one way that that that, that Rob could potentially? I you, you, did you hear that Freudian slip there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> is there what is that one way that uh, Rob could be held potentially accountable this upcoming offseason? Or do you think it's still look? We just won a championship 15, 16 months ago. Let's get back to let's figure out what the hell we did to win that championship and just get back to that. So. I say this a lot and I'm going to say it again. Well, I say it's maybe the one thing I say, like the only thing I may say more than this is that Hennessy is delicious. <laughs> but what I say, maybe I thought you maybe, were going to say, maybe Hennessey what I delicious. say second most often to that yeah. is that we forget the human side of basketball and mm -hmm. that basketball in the NBA is a people business 
just like everything else and a relationship business. The article talked about um, some people being a little bit miffed, perturbed, shall we say, um, about what Rob was like as an agent. And then mm -hmm. that has clouded some of the relationships that he's had um, since coming to our side, quote unquote, I think the, uh, the article said. Yeah. Um, to which I said, like, Bob Myers was an agent, and I'm sure he yep. wasn't always hunky dory. So, yep. like, the, it, being like an agent, weird... being an agent versus being Dan Fagan. Oh, there's there's a bunch of them. Being yeah. an agent versus Me being um, a a president of basketball operations or a general manager or whatever title they are. Those are adversarial relationships by nature, right? That you're going to be negotiating. You are going to be. You are like at complete opposite ends of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, so I don't put much stock in the, we didn't really love him when he was our enemy as it relates to, you know, in contract negotiations and whatever. Um, I don't put much stock in that, but Rob is still very well liked by people that matter with the Lakers. Um, mm -hmm. that relationship, he has done an incredible job. I'm, I was going to managing is not the right word for it. Right. But like, well, it because is. that makes it no, but that, but that makes it seem artificial. Right? Okay. That makes it seem like planned and artificial. Like that's, just, that's his priority. He has a good relationship with people that matter with the Lakers. The other part of it that I think is important. And you know, there was, there was a name that was floated out there about who might be into either replace or join. And again, this is another thing that we talk about a lot on this show is who benefits from any kind of whoever, whenever you're, whether it's a leak or not, even if it's just you are talking to a reporter who is going to benefit from that. And that can be any number of people. It could be from somebody trying to inflate their own case. That can be from other teams trying to destabilize that can come from anywhere, but I just would encourage everybody when you're reading that article, think about who and what, who or whichever entities, who or what entities benefit by whatever you are reading there. It doesn't mean it's all untrue. However, it's never the full perspective, right? It's the perspective of whoever the author has in their Rolodex that you talked about, who can, they can mm -hmm. get to talk to, who their sources are, and those people, those sources what do they have to benefit by saying one thing or even um, leaning into one thing or making it seem more concrete than it actually is? All of those things are factors because the human part of this matters. Yeah. And, and look, like, you know, the one thing you and I uh, talk about a lot in reference to Jeannie is her loyalty, right? She is fiercely, fiercely loyal. Yes. Um, and you know what, like in, in, in some situations, that's a, that's a great quality in most situations. No, honestly, in all situations, it's a great quality. Well, it's yes, a great it's... quality. Sometimes it can lead to decisions that don't end up being the best decisions, but it is a great quality. Well, I guess, I guess. All right. To your point, she can be fiercely loyal, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes those loyalties can pull her in different directions, right? Mm -hmm. Like she, she might be fiercely loyal to the Lakers fan base. And she is also fiercely loyal to the, the people that currently surround her. Right. 
And if the Lakers fan base is pulling her in one direction, at some point she's going to arrive at a fork in the road and say like, all right, in this case, I'm going to stick with the people that are closest to me in my inner circle, right? Um, and that's going to pull from her loyalty to the fan base. Uh, in other situations, if it get and, and I think we're still a long, long ways away from here, cross country type distance away from here. Okay. But, but if that loyalty to the Lakers fan base uh, pulls her to a point where things have been so bad for so long, you know, if we are further than the, the 15, 16 months removed from a championship and that turns into five, six years removed from a championship or, or five, six years from championship contention, then like we her loyal. Yeah. Right. And, and look, like, that's the thing is that, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure she like on, on some level also is loyal to her brother, right? She's blood, you know? No, and, no. You know who she's loyal to? The Lakers. Well, well no, the but Lakers. that's, but that's that what I mean. That is her number one loyalty on planet earth. That's, that's exactly my point, Aaron, is Lakers. that like, she has familial, familial, I always have trouble with that word, familial, familial. loyalty yeah. to her brother because literally blood there. Mm -hmm. But she also is fiercely loyal to the Lakers. And what was best in her mind for the Lakers there was to part ways with, with Jim and take the Lakers in this other direction. Yes. And I'm saying if we go through another stretch like we went through with Jim, uh, that she is a, once again going to be presented with that, right? And uh, this time, you know, it's going to be, all right, I got to look around at the people that I have remained loyal to over the course of these five, six years or so, or less time, depending on how bad things get. Um, and she's going to have to be loyal, remain loyal to the Lakers over potentially the people that she is closest to. Right. And like, that's, that's the nature of the game here. That's what makes yeah. people in her position. That's what that, you know, that's what makes uh, that, that that's what separates a, a good owner from, uh, the bad ones and and you know we'll see how that situation is handled here and and that's why you know here with with rob you know he has that good relationship with with uh the people who matter in the lakers organization and again it's going to at some point hopefully not by the way like hopefully we go through a, a good off season this upcoming summer and like we this conversation is 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 in uh its entirety moot but if the Lakers go through another rough offseason here where teams aren't willing to take on Russell Westbrook's contract and the Lakers are once again on the fringe of championship contention despite having LeBron and Anthony Davis on their roster, like at some point there, the, the loyalty to the Lakers is going to run directly against the loyalty to the people that, you know, in this case, Rob, that, that she has years, decades of a relationship with. And like that's... That's the, the human element of all of this, that, that at some point, hopefully not, but at some point it might come to fruition. And we'll see how that, how that gets handled. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That I feel fair. so bad for you right now. No, 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 no. Don't go bad for me. No, 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 don't go bad for me. I'm a, I'm a grown ass man. Don't feel bad for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think those are fair things that you are, are bringing up. Um, I don't think, as you mentioned, I don't think we're anywhere near that point yeah now um again i would <laughs> point to a championship pretty damn recently <laughs> um but this year has not been this year has not been how we all thought it 
could be and should be. I would also say there were a lot of people. Look, frankly, you and I were not among them, but there were a lot of people that thought the Lakers offseason was a home run. You and I were not in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is Harrison, turned out- wherever you are, you are in that group. And I hope right? you feel bad right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in in retrospect, uh, it seems like you and I were more right than than Harrison, shall we say. Um, but what I would say about that, is, is all of this, is that, A, I don't think we're at that place yet. But B, Jeannie's first priority is the Lakers. And she is going to do whatever she thinks is best for the Lakers. She's not going to be always be right. None of us are always right, right? But she has also shown and proven that she is willing to make tough choices, even personally, in defense of the Lakers and mm-hmm. in in advancement of the Lakers. Um, I do I do not I do not discount her, or I don't think anyone should discount her willingness or ability to make tough choices as it relates to the betterment of the Lakers but maybe we're not all going to agree on what and when those choices are. We know that she's capable of making tough choices. We like, we've seen it right again, whether, you know, I know sometimes the, the situations and the relationships with siblings with this amount of money on the line can get a little iffy, right? Like we might, it might with my, uh, with my grandparents on my dad's side, there was some shit that got thrown across the family because there was money on the line uh, between the siblings there. And um, that can make those relationships very, very difficult uh, to honestly move beyond. Like my dad and my uncle, uh, I'm not going to name them, um, they are never going to have the same relationship that they had growing right. up, right? And it, it, what's really, really sad is they've actually lost a sibling over the over the course of of that time and uh again there you know the uncle who doesn't have the same relationship with my dad had all already burnt a bridge with um the uncle who passed away and a lot of that had to, to do with some of this stuff and a lot of that had to do with some of the stuff that they had growing up but but with this kind of being in the background as they were growing up you know it's just it's 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 just different in in those kinds of uh relationships when there's that kind of money and power on the line and uh you know all that said it's still your brother like my mm-hmm. dad still is you know anguished with the relationship that he has or the lack thereof with his brother and uh you know cutting ties with jim couldn't have been easy especially as jim was not making it particularly easy over that process according to the reports that came out um at that time so we know that genie is capable of making des- the decisions we know that she's, by the way, make capable, more than capable of making good decisions, right? Because, um, you know, whether you whether you want to assign credit to directly to Palenka for the championship, at the end of the day, she's stuck with Rob, and they wind up winning a championship. He makes the Anthony Davis trade, and it leads directly to a championship. Was the magic call a right the, the right decision? I think that's that's fair to to discuss. And at that time, I was kind of against it, but but. Uh, you know what? We'll see how this all looks moving forward. Let's let's segue over here before, um, <laughs> so that <laughs> before they, so that, before my internet gets turned off. <laughs> all right, let's segue over 
to the second topic of, of this discussion here. And uh, the second kind of source of my frustration over the course of the season is like, even as the Lakers have had just this, you know, repeated kick to the nether region that this season has been, um, I've seen them compete with some of the teams that are going to, to be in that championship discussion, which tells me, like, I don't think this Lakers team is good, but if they have shown an ability to compete with some of those teams, not win games, clearly their record against teams above 500 is not good, but they go through stretches where they can compete against Dallas the other night, right? They make that run to come back from 19 down and, and had a lead late in the fourth quarter. And, um, we have seen them compete with all kinds of teams over the course of the season, which tells me those teams aren't that good either. Like there isn't, there isn't a juggernaut this season. Sorry, Cooper. Um, there isn't, <laughs> not, not unless Austin Reeves is involved. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't a juggernaut out there this season. There isn't a Katie on the Warriors team. There isn't a Shaq three-peat team. There isn't a, a, a Kobe and Shaq three-peat team. Uh, there isn't even a Spurs kind of dynastic team out there right now. And my question is, you know, moving moving beyond the frustrations that like had last season, had this last offseason gone like even decently, uh, the Lakers would be in that in that group of championship contention. I, I still think even despite the injuries um, in ways that they definitely aren't now. My question is whether that's going to remain the case. If you see Aaron, if you think you see a team or teams out there that, you know, the Lakers might not be able to close a gap on this upcoming offseason. I don't. Um, Me neither. I, let's see what let's see what Brooklyn looks like um, after the Kyrie vaccination in and out of the lineup. And then once Ben Simmons, ben Simmons is yeah. there, let's see what all that looks like. Um, I think <laughs> I think the league is better off that uh, James Harden is not in, in Brooklyn anymore because I think that could have actually been really something. I wonder though, not, not dynastic, like in the ways you mentioned those, you know, late 2000, mid to late uh, teens warriors or uh, the 2000, 2001 era Lakers or the bulls in the nineties. I don't know that there's any, there aren't, no, I do know there aren't any of those type of teams around. But Milwaukee is pretty damn good still. Mm -hmm. And they just won last year. And it is a very fair argument to say that Giannis is the best player in the world. Even if he's not, he's probably the That's most like dominant player in the world. So maybe there is like a like not juggernaut, not dynasty, but like a real title back to back, you know, like contender right in front of our noses. Um, I think the Warriors are going to be really, really good going forward. The Suns are really, really good, but Chris Paul is fragile and old. Um, I think it's eminently possible that we see a rematch of last year's finals. But and and the other going forward, the other part of it that is kind of a change and has brought more parity is young guys are having a greater impact earlier. Um, like John Morant, obviously has has elevated Memphis immediately. Cleveland looks a lot better just kind of they were have been awful for years and mm -hmm. right now are kind of in the mix again in the, in the east the east is much better than it was the east might be better than the west this year and that hasn't been true in 25 years so i think there is more parity going forward and um i think that does keep championship windows open for a little bit longer than it might be otherwise 
right? Like it used to be, it was, we'll go back to the most recent example, but like with the Warriors, everybody just quit. Houston was the only team that tried to make moves and said, let's figure this out and we're going to fight them and we'll see. Almost beat them. Um, and everybody else just said, like, we're not beating them, so let's wait. But there mm-hmm. aren't those teams anymore, um, or at least presently, there aren't in going into the near future. I mean, the Celtics, who looked like a mess, have won a million games in a row. Uh, we haven't even talked about Philly. Harden and Harden and Maxi and Embiid look like the destroyer of worlds together. I would like to remind everybody who had whom where. Uh, it's fair. One yep. one half of this uh, discussion had mm-hmm. the Heat in the f- the five slot, and the Sixers not ranked. I, yeah. you know, I you, yeah. No, to be fair, went the other direction. To be fair, <laughs> I am. I was worried. I thought Philly on offense. I thought the fit between Harden and and Embiid on offense was going to be great. Mm-hmm. I was terrified of what it's going to look like on defense because. Embiid is one of the best defensive players in the world, but he can only play one way. And Harden is one of the worst defensive players in the world and is only willing to play one way. Yeah. Um, so finding those that two ways ground, are different. Right. Oh, uh, diametrically. Yes. <laughs> so finding a way to mesh that they can here and there. Um, but to be fair, Philly has a rough stretch coming up or not a rough stretch, a, a, a stretch of like good opponents coming up. Um, to be fair, they've beaten the Knicks twice and Minnesota. <laughs> so, like, Whoa, and the Knicks and the right. Knicks are horrific. Good. Yes, yes. No, Minnesota's pretty good. Yeah, um, they just smacked the, the Warriors. Suck. They've been the Knicks are awful, <laughs> awful. Um, but You're two tips. <laughs> as it as it relates to to Minnesota, if you were gonna like design a team in a lab that was going to struggle guarding, uh, was going to struggle guarding Philly, that would be it they foul yeah. more than anybody in the world. And so yeah. if you have Harden and Embiid, like two guys that are going, that are going to shoot 740 free throws, mm-hmm. like Minnesota is not like, I'll, I still have some concerns. Minnesota is a team. Minnesota is good at what they do and they're decent and they're competent for the first time ever, but they are not a great challenge for Philly's offense. And the Knicks are just horrendous. I still have questions about Philly in the playoffs because if they're going to rely on free throws also, the way yep. that the, the way that they are, like that doesn't that doesn't hold up in playoff play. And they both, um, MB less so, but they both have a reputation of having some some rough playoffs. Harden oh, and sure. Harden, Harden especially. Yeah. Harden yeah. especially. Yeah. Um, but I do th- I do think to answer your question, I do think with a good offseason, the Lakers next year could be right back in the in the title chase. That, that which is what your question is actually about. You know what I I hadn't thought about until I saw Jake uh, write about it was, uh, and by the way, so busy day for me today. So we have this that's going to be up obviously by the time you guys are listening to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you guys are listening to this, as I was as I was like in the, <laughs> I was up in the air looking to make a pass and. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You should have just, you could have just so, came down and traveled with that one. Don't, I, I, don't I, I thought about it. Team. I thought about it. I think I did. I essentially did. I yeah, think, I, I think yeah, I did travel. You don't, want, you don't want the yeah. live ball turnovers. Yeah. Though. Those good layups and dunks. <laughs> just come down with it. And I came it down. I'm holding my hamstring right now. Let like, us know. Oh, the man. Did you see that? I, that really, that might've popped coach. Take me out for like five minutes. I'll be right back. Um, so, uh, yeah, so anyway, today on the docket, so we have this. We have uh, at, I think, 5.30 my time, 3.30 back on the on the West Coast, 
Harrison and I are going to be going to be talking to Jake Fisher on his halftime show. I saw that uh, thing. So check out that when it goes live. And then uh, tonight, because it's a nationally televised game, pressure cooker, and then lowdown afterward. So wow, um, you got a lot going. I actually had to work today. This sucks. Yeah. You Shout know? out to whoever said you don't have a real, you don't work. Yeah. yeah um, I may join you, depending on if I don't go to the game. I may go to the game tonight. But if I don't, I will, because it's a Clippers quote-unquote home game. Then I'll then I'll come say what's up. Um, so so anyway, like getting back to the topic, uh, I, think, I think it's the Lakers championship contention here is entirely predicated on can they move Russ and how serious a contender they are is if they get anything back for him in return, you know, any type of uh, role player in return. The one thing that Jake talked about in his article was could the Lakers stretch him out and then that gets them close enough to the, the uh, salary cap that that might allow them to go out and sign uh, two exception type players. Um, that gives you a little bit more flexibility there. I still think the best path forward for the Lakers is probably trading Russ for two kind of baddish contracts who are still decent players um, or, or a few baddish contracts for, for guys who are still considered decent players. Um, and then, you know, you, you move forward that way. But so long as Russ is on the team, I've, I've, I've I said this basically at the time of the trade, and I, I, I remain um, <laughs> clearly I haven't had anything that proves me wrong. Uh, but as so long as Russ is making forty plus million dollars on your cap, um, you aren't a championship contender. Like that's just you're just flat out not. And uh, that goes up next year. That goes from forty four to forty seven next year. And if the Lakers aren't able to either stretch or move him, I don't think they're title contenders next year. Parity aside. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, dude. <laughs> I gotta buy you a drink after this fucking. <laughs> uh, the 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 stretching thing is um, so what you were referring to what what he said in the article if you were to stretch uh, wave and stretch mm-hmm. Russ that would um, it wouldn't open up any salary but it would get the Lakers under the tax which would get them the. Uh, non-taxpayer mid-level mm-hmm. exception which is like buying. 10 million i believe um and the taxpayer emily is like six million um and i think it's the biannual exception that the lakers would also have mm-hmm. the issue with that though is then you have a bunch of dead money going forward mm-hmm. um like we've seen with Luol Deng, who will finally be coming off the books <laughs> this coming off season. Luol Bobby Bonilla Day. Yeah, Luol Deng Day, like Bobby Bonilla Day. <laughs> the other issue, though, is that you don't you won't have any bird rights or anything. So then you're just giving yeah. up a salary yep. slot. Um, mm-hmm. And if Russ is traded for another person making whatever he makes, or you break it up into multiples, you at least have control of those salaries mm-hmm. um and to me that seems like a better option um because i don't, I don't think the difference between the taxpayer mid-level and the non-taxpayer mid-level is going to make a difference in who you can sign that much i don't think the i mean it, it, it will matter right it's like a three and a half or four million dollar difference that matters but when you're talking about you know, your sixth, seventh, eighth man in your rotation. I don't think the difference 
in that four million is worth losing that salary slot. I guess mm-hmm. that's how I would put it. Yeah, I, I think. I think again, like I would prefer that the Lakers see what they can get for Russ and a first. Um, I would try to hold on to Talon in that equation, um, and then you can maybe attach a first to Talon and bring on somebody who is more ready-made, or you go into another offseason where you hope and pray that he becomes a player that the Lakers... Or look, even if... like My problem with Talon this year hasn't necessarily been... like I, I have a bigger problem with the way that the Lakers have managed Talon than Talon himself. Managed like, or like deployed him, like yeah, that like their semantics at that point. So like in terms of of you know the player that they were hoping he would become was this three and D wing, but he has always been a ball dominant kind of slasher, you know, and um and the yes, defense is is, is, is kind of coming along, and uh, so if the Lakers deploy him in a way that more closely matches his actual playing style. And I think we're looking at a very different player. Uh, the issue with the rust trade, like not only did you lose, I think Kuzma is somebody that we miss more than I think we uh, thought we would. Um, and, but you know, even there, like he seemed not, he wasn't ever going to push for a trade, but he was certainly like ready to be moved into a larger role elsewhere. Um, I think, you know, with, with, Trading for Russ, you lose Kuz, you lose KCP. That eventually means that they had to choose between Caruso and THT. And, you know, they made the wrong choice, obviously, as we said at the time. Um, and, and then on top of that, Russ next to THT means that you're turning THT into a lesser version of himself, which doesn't help anybody either, right? So, so I think uh, if the Lakers can acquire a player who slots THT into a more natural role, then that's as good, I think, as trading THT for more immediate help. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing. I mean, yeah, right? That's like sometimes your your best um, acquisition, right, at the deadline in any sport is like somebody coming back from mm-hmm. injury or, um, you know, you get a player that is put into a better role or just a has more of an opportunity and that so i think it is i mean that kind of has to happen right the internal improvement whether that's just because tht just gets a lot better or it's because he's allowed to blossom in a in a more natural role for him i think Mm -hmm. it was always kind of I don't even know what the like cliche or phrase is but like yelling into the wind or barking up the wrong tree or something like that like expecting Talon to be, you know, the the most idealized best version of himself when the thing he does best is duplicative of LeBron and Russ, right? Like mm-hmm. lineups especially with the, Russ. Lineups with the three of them just don't make any sense because yeah. what THT is not going to get a chance to do the thing that he does best. So what does he do when he doesn't have the ball? Well, he's not a good enough shooter to provide any spacing. Was he going to just kind of just stand there in the corner, right? That like that that doesn't work. So especially in this offense, uh, that doesn't work in any offense. No, it's not going to work in any offense because THT needs the ball. Mm-hmm. So does Russ. LeBron less so, but LeBron is best with the ball. So yeah. all of that, like it is, it has minimized the best parts of THT's game when he's played in those lineups. So I think you make a good point that 
if he is deployed differently, even, you know, going forward this year, but certainly into next year, whatever the circumstances are that allow that or cause that, I think you may see a very different player. If the Lakers can land, so if they're able to keep Monk, which I don't think they're going to be able to, I think he's going to get priced out. But if they're able to keep Monk. The only thing, as it stands now, the only thing that he would be able to be offered is the taxpayer mid-level, which is six whatever. Although if you stretch Russ, it means you can keep Monk, right? If you want to. If you stretch him, then you could add him at the 10, the non-taxpayer. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's another thing to maybe consider here. But if if the Lakers can move Russ and then find a, a shooting guard who actually shoots and a small forward who can uh, space the floor, I think you can go into next season with Talon as your starting point guard. And I think I would really like to see that kind of a group because that gets you back to the bigger, stronger, faster at every position type of identity that won the Lakers a championship two, two damn seasons ago. So I have two concerns about that. One yeah. is um, I don't, I'm not really ready for Taylor to just full time be guarding other teams' point guards. That makes me a little nervous. And the other part of it is you're only willing to do that because you have LeBron, right? Who's like, and I I I'd say a lot of the time when I'm talking about that, I, there's a difference between a functional position and a nominal position, right? Like LeBron mm-hmm. can nominally be starting at whatever he's starting at. Yeah, that's essentially what. But yeah, functionally, is he going to be the point guard? Um. It's Although, like when KCP started at point guard, right? I th- I think the Lakers, a, like, kind of, not a mistake, but I think what we're seeing with, the, like, the DJ Augustine move, and, and theoretically he's going to be available to play tonight as well, Wenyan, is, like, he's just like a point guard, right? He's kind of just like a traditional, yeah. like, let's get people into sets. I run pick plays. and roll, right? Like, I am a point guard, and and it was kind of like in stark contrast to is Russ a point guard? Yes. Is he a traditional point guard in some ways? No. Right. But it was like, Oh, wait a second. The Lakers just like, don't Russ is like the only actual point guard <laughs> on the roster. <laughs> he's the right? closest thing to an actual point guard. There's yeah. like, he's the only guy you were like, okay, that's a point guard. Right. Yeah. Um, and there haven't been a lot of them around recently. Um, yeah. And some of that is because LeBron can take on a lot of that stuff. LeBron led the NBA in, in assists a couple years ago or a couple seasons ago, not a couple years ago. But I think there is like room for just like actual point guards as opposed to guys that can do point guard things, you know, like guys masquerading as point guards, which is what THT would be doing in such a lineup. Yeah. Um, I think it makes some sense to just have actual point guard. And in a LeBron with a LeBron team, because LeBron can take a lot of that stuff, a huge component of success for a point guard with a LeBron team is their ability as a catch and shoot threat. Yes. Yeah. I was just going to say like, which is why Augustine makes some sense, right? Yeah. If you're, if you're going to bring in, if you're going to bring in a point guard specifically, you know, to be a point guard in a LeBron James on a LeBron James team, that point guard has to shoot like, you know, they did it with Rondo for a bit, and, I, you know, he had that great playoff run, but regular season Rondo was brutal to watch. Like, it was it was not fun uh, before they got into the bubble. And like Caruso um, is kind of the opposite of that, where he was a pseudo-point guard in LeBron lineups, and then when he played without LeBron, you really saw the limitations of his game too, right? So I think if they can find a point guard who can more closely bridge that gap there and 
be good with LeBron and not be a disaster without LeBron. Like that is the type of point guard they should have been looking for all along. The problem is those <laughs> point Dennis, guards are really expensive. That was a Dennis Schroeder <laughs> idea, right? Like he yeah. can run some pick and roll when Yeah, when but he can't LeBron's shoot well enough. He, yeah, I mean, but he had good catch and shoot numbers coming into that. Is he like is he terrifying anybody? No, but he had good enough catch and shoot had, numbers leading up to it. That was the a, idea. He had, he had an outlier work. season. He had an didn't outlier work, season. But that was the idea. It was yeah. that was the idea. It didn't work. But I yeah. I agree with I just think that that's what would scare me about THT as your starting point guard. One, I'm not sure I, you know, like I need him guarding Dame and Steph and you know, and John Morant and yeah. all these other wonderful point guards around, you know, Chris Paul and all that. Um and then the like okay, but maybe it's just time for like an actual point guard as opposed to somebody who LeBron is the luxury that lets them sort of play Maybe. point guard. Maybe I, I I've just seen I've seen attempts at that experiment. Or just say LeBron's a point guard. Just twice. say forget it. Just or yeah. just say LeBron. You know, like two seasons ago. No, LeBron, you're playing point guard. Now, what? How does LeBron feel about that? What does his body say to that? That you know, initiating offense is is you know can be taxing. So all of those other questions come into play. But I think I would rather just lean into if he's open to it, if he feels up to it, instead of THT playing sort of playing point guard, then just say, you know what, LeBron, we're doing this again. You're the point guard. I, uh, a really fun what if, back during the pandemic, when there were no games going on, Pete and I had a bunch of what if episodes uh, on on mm -hmm. my previous show. And a really fun what if concept here is, what if last year's team just embraced roles that more easily lent themselves to winning, right? So, like, if Schroeder comes off of the bench, if AD starts at the five, you know, does does that allow the Lakers to not feel the need to panic and go out and get Russ after last season? Like, that has that has some interesting implications moving forward. Let's let's go ahead and move on. Also, uh, to let's end on some story time. Let's let Aaron have some fun. I no, feel. Bad. Dude. <laughs> no, this, this is good. You've been holding, one. it's been so weird. You've been holding this super long, like, balance beam rod the entirety of the show <laughs> just to make sure, like, if I go too far this way nah. and I go. <laughs> And the worst part is there wasn't there wasn't a time where you just went for like six minutes. You, you, I couldn't let you rant to go refill my drink. <laughs> I finished it pretty early in the show. I didn't needed to let you. I need like some sort of hand signal. Or you'd be like, you just talk for. Can you go on an angry rant here for like six minutes so I can go yeah. grab a drink? Uh, so Fox, this, get at us so we can have commercial breaks in that way. That's right. There we go. You know. Um, <laughs> So this is 2000, 2001. I think it's 2001, actually. Um, and if I've told the story before, I apologize, but this will be a quick one. I don't think you have. I don't You've told I have. me kind of the, the key figures here, and I don't recall this being on the show. So this is, uh, so I'm, work, I'm working, doing radio um, in, in San Francisco. And um, the station that I worked for uh, was the flagship station of, of the Warriors. And a shout out, a shout out, my boy Tim Roy, who I will see on Saturday. He's a good dude. Um, so he, uh, so not he. So the Warriors, this is the Warriors are terrible. The Warriors have been terrible for years, um, but they have they have what is a promising draft. It's um, it's Jason Richardson, fifth, mm -hmm. I want to say, um, Troy Murphy, 
uh, who a former Laker, Troy Murphy, mm-hmm. for a minute. Um, he was he was a late lottery pick, and then Gilbert Arenas was drafted in the second round. So, uh, the show that I was producing, we would do shows. One maybe it was on Wednesdays or something, when there were Warriors games. Um, we would do a show from Oracle Arena. Um, I was I think it was still the Coliseum at that point, but anyway, from where the Warriors used to play in Oakland, we would do we would do the show from from the court you know, at like three o'clock in the afternoon. And then it would lead up to uh, the Warriors pregame show. So we're out there on the court one Wednesday afternoon and um, it's, you know, pregame stuff in the NBA guys coming out to get their, get their work in. And at one point, you know, they also like everybody that's going to do something on the court usually has an opportunity to, um, to, like practice whatever they're going to do, whether mm-hmm. that, and you'll see that if you come early enough for Lakers game, you'll see, you know, the Laker girls going through their routine. You'll mm-hmm. see uh, the Red anthem Panda. singer doing their whole thing. And the Lakers don't have this, but a lot of teams do. They'll have like the guys that go and dunk in between quarters. I want to say it was called like the hoop troop or something uh, for the Warriors. So they set up, you know, off the little trampoline and they have their ridiculous outfits and they're going and throwing the ball to each other off the backboard and jumping off the trampoline, kind of paying attention to it, but not really. All of a sudden, uh, Gilbert Arenas, Hibachi, <laughs> comes out. Rookie comes out. A second-round yeah. pick, rookie, comes out. This is early in the year. And uh, he starts, like, just messing around, shooting around a little bit, and then decides he's going to go run down and try to dunk off a trampoline. <laughs> he goes, like, I see him do it once. And then he comes back, and he looks like he's about to do it again. And... I take my headset off in the middle of a segment. Yeah. I quit working. <laughs> I seem to do this a lot on, on NBA floors. It take, once I'm going to do it, the first time or the last time I did it was going to be to fight Shaq apparently. But um, so I take, I take my headset off and I go over to Gil and he's like, you know, wiping the back of his shoes off, you know, like wiping the dust <laughs> off his shoes with his hands, like getting ready to like, get ready to launch. I go, yeah, Gil, what the fuck are you doing? And I've like, I don't, I kind of know him. I don't really know him. I'm around. We've had him on the show a couple times because he was, you know, the draft pick and I've met him at games, but I don't work for the team. I'm not, I don't work for the Warriors. I did later for a second, but I don't work for the Warriors at this point. I go, it was after this, after you saved Gilbert Arenas' life, they were like, go get that guy. Are you doing? And he's like, what, man? And how you see Gil, like how you see him during his podcast, which is hilarious, or when you see him going on the rants on Instagram or Twitter. And all the stuff that you see of him, that is authentic Gil. Like, he is not putting on a character. He is mm-hmm. that dude. And he is always, as long as I've known him, he has always been that dude. So it, like, didn't occur to him, right, that he shouldn't be doing it. Like, Gil, what the fuck are you doing? And he goes, what do you mean, man? I go, <laughs> he goes, I'm just getting some dunks in. I go, fine. You're on, on this second side. round picks. Why are you, you're, you're going to go off the trampoline? And he goes, yeah, man, it's fun. <laughs> And this is like four games into his NBA career. You're on a second round pick contract. You Right. You are on a second one, which actually is the reason there's the Gilbert Arenas provision now. Yeah. Because the Warriors couldn't sign him. He became a restricted free agent. The Warriors couldn't sign him. Um, and so he goes, what do you, what do you mean? And I go, what the fuck is wrong with you? Cause I'm like, I want him to understand yeah. that like, this is not a normal thing. Was he like, so after you asked him, what the hell are you thinking? What the hell is wrong with you here? Like, did he, how did he reluctantly go to the other end of the court? Like, did he try to dunk no, again? No, so that's the thing. So the, the end that he was like shooting on was like where he was warming up 
was the was the end he was like taking a full run-up to go to the other end to jump on the trampoline because this was before <laughs> the other team was even out yet and so, so how many dunks one. did he attempt one okay because i said get I right said, get your ass back in the like pretend that none of this happened take your ass back to the locker room and yeah. then come out and go through your normal routine like none of this ever happened he's what probably, the fuck are you doing he's probably lucky nobody like from the executive that's was my point i was trying to get him back out of there before anybody saw like what are you gonna do if you like hurt yourself right you're a second round pick you have no contract you're like what if you tear your acl like you misstep yeah. on the trampoline what is wrong with you what was his duck dunk attempt on the first time uh he did like a uh he like cradled it a reverse like cradle like rock so it was baby a nice cradle time. it was it was good and then you know like <laughs> they they have the little uh whatever i don't know it's like gymnastics that huge pad that you like, that they fall can, into yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> so i don't know if i saved his life but i may have saved his career and that like there might not be a, a an arenas provision right there not may for not that moment yeah there may not and he may not have made the whatever he's probably like the He's probably in the top 20 all time in 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 contracts oh yeah that too yeah yeah that so he went he, back he did he did not uh he he did not he did not take it well but have you spoken he, to he, him about that moment ever since um no because i haven't like i hadn't i didn't see him for like some years yeah after that um but we've talked since, but not about that specifically. I'm sure he wouldn't remember. Shaq I, remembers me trying to fight him, but yeah. Gilbert would not remember me saving his career. I need to I need to I need to bring this story up to, to Arenas in some way, shape, or form. Like this is incredible. <laughs> like he potentially could have derailed his career because of a halftime show. Yes, because him wanting to just fuck around on a trampoline. He could have actually been Agent Zero, free Agent Zero. Like he, <laughs> right, he right. could have had zero free agent opportunities. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. All right, well, that's going to do it here for this episode of The Hook, Thursday edition. Uh, Harrison is back tomorrow from vacation, so he and I are going to be doing the lounge. Before we get out of here, I want to send some well wishes uh, it's a friend of the show, friend of the feed, friend of myself, uh, Jonathan Sharks, who wrote an article for The Ringer, more of an essay for The Ringer, uh, about his uh, battle with cancer and the type of ways that it forces you to kind of look uh, at life, and uh, for him specifically, the way that he kind of looks at his son. Um, I hope you guys check it out. It's on theringer.com. Uh, he is legitimately the nicest person I have ever met since getting into this business. Uh, and I wish that guy and his family nothing but the best. Jonathan, there's zero chance you're listening right now. Uh, and and uh, I just wish you nothing but the best, sending all the prayers, the vibes, the, the, the positive thoughts and energy your way. Um, uh, and and uh, if you have a chance, if you want to read something that's deeply touching, check it out on TheRinger.com and send some, some good vibes uh, Jonathan's way. Until next time, I'm Anthony Irwin, and have a good week.